So what are we thinking, guys? 15-0, 14-1, Clemson National Champions. I'm just going to go 15-0. I can't, I can't say 14-1. But yeah, this team goes 15-0, wins the National Championship. Took the words right out of my mouth. We just predicted National Championship for Clemson. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Football season is upon us. Dabo Sweeney is poised to make nearly $7 million a year, exceeding the government budget of Oconee County. Clemson are reigning national champs, and life is good. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This is your host, Nick. I'm joined tonight by Ben and Cody. Guys, how you doing? Doing good, man. Welcome back. It's, uh, it's been a couple episodes since you hosted, and I must tell you, it's very hard to host the show and commentate at the same time it's like you have to think while you're talking so it's very very tough i have much respect for you yeah i'm, I'm doing <laughs> totally i'm doing great i'm very happy it's football uh football season again and that we have some football on thursday indiana and ohio state it's actually we had week zero we had uh, yeah. we had football uh this past weekend you and guys tuning in at all you guys just, watching it's very anticlimactic no yeah. i honestly didn't even know it was happening um, until I think I saw on the TigerNet message board somebody mentioning the Colorado State game, and I looked it up. I'm like, oh, there's actually football. That game was was definitely interesting. Uh, the BYU game was not, and then um, Stanford, Stanford was Rice blowout. Yeah. yeah, but uh, anyway, this is our preview episode for the Clemson football season in 2017. In the intro, you actually heard some sound clips from our 2016 preview episode. A little prognostication. We will be doing that again this year in this show. Um, getting into a look ahead at the team, the roster this year, our schedule, our toughest matchups of the season, um, and then getting into our predictions here on the show. Um, so you can look look forward to that around the three-quarter mark of this show. Um, Pretty sure I'm saying 15-0 and again, national champions. Sounds good, yeah. Can't wait to hear that part. So um, we will get into this, um, but I think the way good way to kick us off, you know, for those listeners that have not been glued to um, all the Clemson media sites glued to the fall camp news, the spring game, et cetera. Um, might be good to just take a step back and summarize what we're expecting out of this year's team. I want to start with the offense, guys. Clearly, this is the aspect of the team where we've 
turned over the most um, from last year to this, mostly through the NFL draft, sending um, some of our top players to the league um, who are dazzling in fall in you know preseason in the NFL. Um, so I think this is the area we can start. And um, you know, for the most part, this begins and ends at the quarterback position. Um, Cody, can you talk me through where that that quarterback battle sits at this point? At this moment, Kelly Bryant is the starter. Uh, he was named starter, I guess, just last week or a week and a half or so ago. Um, but then you have Zarek Cooper, redshirt freshman, who is a four-star, highly touted out of Georgia, um, waiting in line. And then Hunter Johnson right after him. So, and Hunter Johnson being the five-star freshman best quarterback in the, in the class. We'll see how it shakes out. As of now, Kelly Bryant is checking all the marks, checking all the boxes in spring practice, looking the part of the leader. Um, but you have these high upside talented uh, throwers just waiting in the wings. Yeah, I think the most notable part about this is that the coaches have been talking about, uh, high about Kelly Bryant all along, and they've been expressing a lot of confidence in him. And we haven't really heard that anybody's really pushing him. So that is really good to hear. This isn't something they held on to, uh, waited to the week of the first game, didn't even the starter. They've said all along with confidence that he's the guy. They came out and officially said it. Uh, a week or so, a week or so, a week or so ago, and um, it, it's he's just got the it's, job. Yeah, yeah, he's got the job. It's just good to see that. It's good to th- there was no question that nobody was really pushing him because he separated himself from everybody by a large margin. I think that should give Clemson fans conf- uh, more confidence heading into the season. I think elsewhere in this offense, where we're seeing some turnover in the starting position, um, top running back last year, Wayne Gallman's in the league. Tight end Jordan Leggett. Um, with both those position groups, guys, I think there's been a little bit of difference between the groups, obviously, but um, a, a definitely good good pecking order battle going on in the running back position. Who do you think will be sort of the workhorse of this offense in the first two to three big games of the season? Well, CJ CJ Fuller on paper is number one best, more the most seasoned guy, the leader, um, the most reps to the, or the most experienced at this point. But uh, and then and then you have Adam Choice, another upperclassman, and and Feaster and Eddie, and the two very high upside home run threats. Right now, it's Fuller. At some point, I see I see the pendulum swinging uh, more so to Feaster with his higher upside, and maybe even Eddie. And I think he could be one of the biggest freshman surprises, hot take alert that we've seen since maybe Sammy Watkins. Not saying he's going to be an All American like Sammy Watkins, but just uh, you know relative to expectations coming in and exceeding, splash. making a big splash. I, I could see that happening with Eddie, and just too good to not put on the field despite yeah. some uh, deficiencies in pass protection. Yeah, the Sammy Watkins thing is going to be a stretch, but no, I, I do expect that he's going to get um, some packages called for him this year, and you're going to see him play. I think you're going to see him uh, surpass Adam Choice on the depth chart. I'm not so sure Feaster is going to take over for Fuller. I think what you're going to see out, out of Fuller this year is a guy that's slimmed down, a guy that has a better burst. He does have the experience. He's going to be a threat um, uh, in the passing game out of the backfield. He's got his blocking assignments down. I, I really think that he may hold on to this job all year long, but that said, it's going to be running back by committee for the most part between him and Feaster throwing Etienne in there. Um, I think Adam Choice, you're not going to see much of him maybe in garbage time early in the year. That's about it. And guys, what about the tight end position? Is this really a Milan Richard and then there's a big drop-off at this point? Well, Mylon Richard, I, I should say. Yeah, Mylon Richard. I, I think it's safe to say this is our weakest position group and on across the whole roster and with some distance. I, I don't, we don't know what we're getting out of Mylon Richard. He has, I think he has one career reception. You look at what we had last year at Jordan Leggett, that's a lot of production you have to make up. And after that, it's Cannon Smith, and we don't even know 
what he'll be maybe a, a block first maybe some like uh h-back type packages with him i, I don't even know yes. i think we can add tight end to the, the list of unknowns that that's know, the biggest concern yeah. uh, for me on offense i mean i think we i know we have talent at the quarterback position guys aren't seasoned they haven't played a lot in hunter johnson and zerk cooper's case they haven't played at all um but yeah tight end mylon richard is the depth chart uh, losing garrett williams injury really hurt so Milan Rich is going to have to step up. I don't see anybody behind him getting a lot of playing time. So I think the coaches are going to have to make up for a deficit there um, in the strategy on offense. Yeah, and I think the a key area where they could potentially you know spread the targets out is going to be among the receiver core. So I would say among um, this offense overall, we've got the most returning production coming back from the receiver position with the likes of Hunter Renfro, Deion Kane, and Ray Ray McLeod, you know, provided he touches the ball on that on that side. Um, but we also have a number of other players who have uh, redshirted in previous years or actually true freshmen coming in. Cody, you've kept the most, um, you know, the closest eye, I think, on the new recruits coming in. What are you most excited about from the receiver core? Well, hot take again, Clemson has good receivers. We recruit really well there. Um, most excited about T. Higgins. He, like, I can, really can make uh, a fair... Uh, comparable comparison there to uh, to Sammy Watkins because he really is that good. Different different skill set, unbelievable uh, size and leaping ability, high pointing the ball. A six four, but kind of skinny. But that's a guy that Clemson fans can really get excited about. He's not gonna I don't he's not gonna be getting a ton of reps right out the, right out the gates, but uh, he'll he'll be in there at some point. And DeAndre Overton, the other big body receiver, it's gonna be however functionally we want to use receivers, whether it's speed, open field ability. We have a lot of ways we can uh, attack opponents. John Overton would be that other big body receiver. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's my guy, even more so than T. Higgins. Uh, the, the where T. Higgins does not compare to Sammy Watkins is Sammy Watkins didn't have a lot of talented receivers ahead of him when he stepped on campus. And you know, Deion Kane is solid uh, at first string in that nine position, but DeAndre Overton, he's really come on. He's put some muscle on. I think he's going to have a big impact this year and turn some heads. Um, across the board, otherwise, I mean, we're nine deep at the receiver position. We're, we got we got three guys at each position, and we know what we're getting out of Hunter Renfro. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how Ray Ray McLeod develops this year, and then some of the other guys: Cornell Powell, T.J. Chase, Trevion Thompson. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on. We're we're pretty set. And then Amari Rogers, the other true freshman. Uh, you're going to see him make an impact this year, I think. Um, a lot of good things we've heard about him um in fall camp so really look forward to see him on the field yeah and definitely want to take some time to touch on the o-line but i think what this embarrassment of riches at the receiver position does is it will give the offensive coordinator staff and the signal callers some options um, to go through and if tight end isn't necessarily a, a receiving threat you know we have high host for mylon richard and to see what he's going to be able to do and contribute um, but there's no shortage of of weapons uh, to go to with the, the football um, both out of the backfield and at that receiver position, right? And yeah, and I think just that alone should make us feel better about Kelly Bryant uh, being the starter, giving his unknowns in the passing game. You've got wide receivers can make up for you know some errant passes, some overthrown balls. You know, guys can go up and get it, and you know, guys that have experience know how to run routes, um, know how to fight off defenders. So yeah, I think that helps, and that's going to be a huge asset for this team. Um, let let's briefly touch on the O-line. I think this is where, you know, touching on experience, we do have a good amount of reps and returning production coming back. Um, the position we're replacing the most is center uh, with Justin Falsinelli 
looking to claim the starter position and starter role there. Um, but it, it, this is also a position group where we look to have a lot of um, guys coming in and getting reps during during games. Um, and th this is where you know next level recruiting on the O line is starting to pay off. Um, in addition to having some returning all ACC talent coming back. So um, I, I'm very bullish on the O-line. You know, certainly the center position, if Falsinelli is not able to assert himself really in the first couple of tough matchups, this could make for kind of a, a long start to the season. But Well, um, I, I'm not even sure that that would be the case because from everything we've heard about Gage Shevanka is that he's a solid number two guy and he's really coming on. So I, I think that being the most critical position on the offensive line that we're having to fill a hole, we're actually in, in, in better shape than we could have been because remember Gage Trevanka used to be a defensive tackle and he flipped to the offensive side of the ball without him making that transition a couple years ago we're left pretty thin at that center position um, so I actually think we're in better shape than, than, than most people would think at that position and otherwise across the offensive line we're golden man no unknowns nothing to talk about there the only maybe interesting tidbit is that uh, uh, Ankrum is really pushing uh, Pollard at right tackle but you're going to see all these guys play it's going to be a pretty stout offensive line this year yeah, with lots of depth, I think that's one of the defining characteristics of this year's squad. Uh, if, if in the case of injury, Lord forbid, we do have a little bit of depth there, and I think some of that um, versatility that, that we do in recruiting when we try to find guys that can be both guards and tackles, right. we're seeing that throughout the, the out the line where you have guys that are cross training, guys like Maverick Morris, who's an upperclassman. Pollard can move inside. Ankrum can be inside or outside. And hell, Ankrum could maybe even play center if if you know in a tight spot. So lots of depth. Um, I'm also really bullish on the offensive line. Great. Well, uh, we will pivot to the defense shortly, but I want to talk a little bit about what we perceive to be the podcast kind of ceiling and floor for this offensive unit. Um, years past, we probably would have pointed to the offense as the team's strength. I think there are the most question marks there. So maybe, you know, certainly we're, we're very optimistic about this offense, but I think what we're, we, and we did an offensive preview show, you know, three to four weeks back, um, and you can go back and listen to that. We encourage you to do so. I think we were, we, our expectations for this team are coming in the, you know, the, the 20 to 30 rank range in terms of offense throughout the country. Um, guys, you think, you know, in your wildest dreams, Kelly Bryant works out wonderfully. Um, injury luck goes our way. Do you think this could be a top 20, top 15 offense? I think so. I mean, I, I don't see as much as a, of a drop-off as I think most people uh, might be expecting this year. And honestly, for me, it's not even on Kelly Bryant. I, I think for me more so, if we establish a dominant running game, given the offensive line that we have and given that we do have some talent at running back, I think if we can establish a, establish a dominant running game, that Kelly Bryant will be more than sufficient as a passing quarterback, again, giving all those wide receiving w weapons, not to mention his legs themselves. It's going to be a different type of offense this year. We're not going to be hitting home run threats, I think, throwing the deep ball. Um, you're going to see more quick passes getting out to the playmakers and stuff like that. It'll just be a different type of offense, but it's still a very talented offense and one that's going to score. I think what we'll we'll find out is how good Tony Elliott is, and I, I really think he's good. I'm, I'm sure he's improving. As Ben and I talked about last week, it's hard to really see if he's, how, how, has, how he was taking his lumps the last few years because he was doing it with Deshaun Watson, but I think we'll see a lot more creativity. And uh, because Brian is very dynamic in terms, especially with running the ball, we have a lot more emphasis on the scat back, kind of the Ray Ray McLeod or Amari Rogers, Cornell Powell, these kind of guys. And, and Deion Kane's also a huge threat to catch uh, for yards after the catch. So a little bit more of a different offense. I could see a little bit more inconsistency. I should say a lot more inconsistency uh, as compared to last year in terms of moving the chains. 
But all in all, if, if Kelly Bryant does work out, if he is what the coaches say he is, then heck yeah, we're definitely top 15, if not a top 10 offense, especially with the pace that we incorporate. Yeah, I think limit turnovers needs to be less than last year because we don't have a Deshaun Watson that can make up for them. Could well be. We will likely air it out less, but right. you know, turnover rate certainly hopefully will work. So limit, yeah, limit turnovers, whether it be fumbles or interceptions, because uh, if we get down big, we're, again, we're not going to be able to come back as much um, or as easily as we could with Deshaun Watson. And the other thing is the receivers limit drops. Don't drop the ball. Deion Kane, don't drop the ball. Ray McLeod, don't drop the ball. Hunter Renfro, we know he's not going to drop the ball. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, yeah, Definitely, I think this will be one of the most interesting aspects of the team to keep looking at. And, you know, we this team, this offense will be tested early on. You know, grab the pep, Pepto-Bismol just in case. But um, maybe let's talk about the other side of the team that hopefully will be keeping us, uh, keeping the score close, keeping uh, Clemson in games, and potentially putting up points of its own over on the defensive side. Um, this team indeed does turn over some guys into the league. Uh, senior captain Ben Bulware. Uh, also, Cordray Tankersley goes to the league. We also had some transfers from the defensive side of the ball um, leave the program. So a number of new names, new faces, uh, but we, would, we do have some awesome returning production. Um, and it really starts for me up front um, with across the defensive line. This will be the strength of this defense. Uh, Cody, what do we have coming back for Clemson on that D-line? Well, we, we have everything. Well, aside from Carlos Watkins, we have everything coming back. But the guy that is supplanting him is Dexter Lawrence, who is a freak of an athlete at that nose tackle position can also play a three technique meaning he's he's fast a fast nose tackle um again a freakish player uh, already ranked as a top 10 player in the nation he sits beside alongside christian wilkins who's moving back from defensive end to defensive tackle this year another you know widely viewed as a top 10 defensive player in the nation um, that's just going to completely stymie any opponent's running game. Uh, but when you when you mix that in with the double t- or the 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 lack of double teams, our defensive ends will be getting another guy that's calling for the the NFL. Cleveland Farrell had a breakout season. He's back. Um, looks like the, fully the part of you know the guy that can set the edge, but also get to the the passer. And then Austin Bryant looking to have a bounce back year. Um, also has a huge up, huge huge upside at strong side. Well, one guy that uh, you failed to mention that it's not coming back this year is Scott Pagano, and I think that's big. Given Richard Yergin's injury, we are really, really thin at defensive end, and that's a concern that has started to grow. We noticed that Xavier Kelly was not on the death chart uh, leading into the first game of the season. Uh, so you're looking at Logan Rudolph and Justin Foster behind Cleveland Farrell. Uh, these are two true freshmen who have not played a down of college football before. Logan Rudolph will chop a tree down, though. Well, we never saw him actually finish chopping down the tree. That's a big concern to me, uh, that along with his shoulder injury. He's got a good motor. I imagine he finished chopping down that tree. But we need to see the follow-through. We're not sure yet. So... Um, but yeah, so, and you mentioned Christian Wilkins alongside Dexter not, Lawrence, not necessarily all season long. I think you're going to see him move back to defensive end at times, uh, to spell an Austin Bryant again, an Austin Bryant who has been injury prone in the past, not a ton of depth here. Scott Pagano leaving, uh, was big because he could fill in for Christian Wilkins if he needs to move, move out. Now we're relying on Albert Huggins, Niles Pickney, um, and, uh, Jabril Robinson, uh, the other guy who's really come on in fall. You know, again, all talented guys. They haven't played a ton. Definitely a, you know, I, I went through the first four, and I think there's a lot to be excited, but definitely a, a substantial drop-off, I think, once you get uh, to the next guy in line. And and that's particularly, or particularly not, not true. Not in talent, at, at but in experience. 
I will. I'd say with talent and experience at defensive end, uh, not so, maybe not so much a defensive tackle. I have high hopes for Niles Pinkney. I think Albert Huggins already has had really good experience so far, and it can it's proven that he can perform at a high level. You're probably right. We're going to see Christian Wilkins bounce out to the defensive end a little bit, I think. Bottom line, we need Xavier Kelly to, to step up and actually become a factor at some point this year. I don't think you can rely on Logan Rudolph and Justin Foster. Certainly true, and you know we'll see to what degree this depth gets challenged. Um, but I think when we look to some of the matchups um, that we have, this defensive line very much is going to punish opposing offensive lines. And uh, you know, I think we will go ahead and look at the schedule and our opponents to see who we think is best suited to challenge this defensive line. But this is the unit that I think is going to be you know, disruptive and potentially turning other teams over, you know, shortening drives, et cetera. Um, so a lot of playmaking going to be coming out of this, this part of the defense. Um, let's move, move back a section into the linebackers. Um, we mentioned some strong returning production in the form of Kendall Joseph. Dorian O'Daniel also proves to play a big role on this team. He's gotten um, definitely some experience mostly last season, but um, certainly a, a returning letterman for Clemson. Um, and then really we have first-year starter Trey Lamar um, coming on strong in the linebacker core. Um, guys, is it, is it uh, to be expected that Kendall Joseph is going to take over the Ben Bulware position this year? Do you think that'll stick? Uh, as long as Trey Lamar can hold down the mic position, um, they're feeling really good about him. He played sparingly, sparingly last year, did not get a lot of significant snaps, uh, did some short yardage stuff, but that's about it. Uh, but everything we're hearing is good coming from him. Um, so I think you'll see him uh, on the field a lot. Kendall Joseph will stay at, um, he's on the Sam linebacker. Or outside. Or, sorry, the, the Will. Yeah, the uh, and the Dorian Daniel at the Sam. He's a guy I think is going to have a breakout year. He's going to turn some heads uh, across the college football landscape. I think Clemson people know what uh, we may get out of him, but I don't think a lot of the outside of Clemson that anybody knows. Um, I, this, this kind of feels just like a yet another reload situation for Clemson, going from like Stephon I, Anthony to I think um, we're in be- Goodson. Yeah, I think we're in better shape this year than we have been because I think we have more depth there. I don't think you're going to see uh, these guys play 900 snaps. Maybe Kendall Joseph. Uh, like they have in the past, just because we do have depth. The one, another interesting thing to me that was missing on the, the depth chart was Shaq Smith, former five-star recruit. He is a redshirt freshman. Um, he did not show up on the depth chart. So interesting to see some of these other guys, like the Davis twins, show up there ahead of him. Yeah, um, there, there's some depth, maybe not. Again, maybe similar to the defensive line, maybe a little bit of a drop-off uh, after, after that first unit. But some good players, guys like Sh- uh, Chad Smith, who's pushing Trey Lamar at the Mike's position. But all in all, I'm also very bullish on this linebacking core. If you, if you hear any of the national narratives, they'll be they'll say, "Oh, they lost Ben Bulware. Well, they're probably going to uh, they're going to regress." But I don't think that's the case at all. I think I think Trey Lamar is is a prototypical Mike linebacker to eat up blocks, whereas Kendall Joseph was he's a smaller linebacker. He's right. actually in my opinion better suited at Ben Ben Bulware's old position at uh, Will and uh, to kind of get off uh, the, to go to the 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 ball carrier who's not uh and, and not take up the blocks and then Dorian O'Daniel it's the first time I think we've had this like combo uh Sam guy who could stay in a nickel situation to me right. he can he can guard that slot receiver guard a tight end in coverage so I, I think functionally uh physically in every way I think this linebacking core is maybe not a lot better than last year but I, I certainly think they take a step forward well we left out Jamie Skalski and that I think uh coaches right. are expecting a lot out of him 
you mentioned Dorian O'Daniel's position and moving over to the to the nickel. Um, that brings up Isaiah Simmons and Kevon Wallace, who we're going to see manning that position as well. We're hearing a lot of great things from Isaiah Simmons. He's a beast of a guy. I think he's going to make a big impact this year. Um, that kind of folds into that linebacker, cornerback mold is kind of a, a hybrid there. Uh, so I think, again, a lot of, a lot of good talent at that position. I think we're going to be pretty solid there this year. Right, right. In those situations, or even if we go to a, an extra uh, fifth uh, defensive back, I think we're in good shape with, the with, again, all these athletic guys like Isaiah Simmons can do a lot of things, line of scrimmage, free safety. Um, yeah, and, yeah, heck, we even have Ryan Carter. He's kind of like your utility infielder. You can play him wherever. Looks like Carter, at least on the Kent State depth chart, will be a starter at cornerback. Um, it seems like Mark Fields has moved into a bit of the reserve role, um, both at uh, the nickel position and backing up Ryan Carter. Uh, he's actually backing, backing up, up Marcus Edmund. Marcus actually. Ed- yeah, Marcus Edmund. And yep. that was the surprising thing to me. I, I thought maybe uh, Trayvon Mullen would assume that starting job if it wasn't Mark Fields. I know uh, Marcus Edmonds has more experience. He's the seasoned veteran there, but I, I still think talent-wise that those two guys um, are above him. So I'm just kind of disappointed that we haven't seen Fields step up and actually take the position yet, take the starter's role. Uh, I worry about it. Um, I'm not sure if his head has ever been in the right place. We've heard stuff about his attitude. Uh, he's got all the talent in the world. I just wish we could see him put it together on the field. Well, hey, the good news is we've recruited well. There's guys that are that are in the pipeline, one of which A.J. Terrell that's already making a splash. Um, between him and, and Trayvon Mullen, they're going to push for playing time. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mullen as a sophomore overtakes Edmund. Um, and, I mean, it just it, you don't see that all that often, too, with Venables. He doesn't uh, give, give away uh, those cornerback spots uh, to underclassmen unless they're ready. But I think this could be a case. And, and you're going to see Terrell get some reps as well. You know we need a game-saving tackle. Um, you're going to see Marcus Edmund in there, though. Or INT in the end zone. True. Um, and maybe rounding out the, the defense here, um, the starting two in the safety position looks like we'll go to Van Smith and Tanner Muse. Um, no real surprise there, but I think we'll, we'll see what the, the pecking order depth chart looks like behind that. Yeah, well, I'm just really excited to see Van Smith switch over to the, the free safety role, which is a more natural position for him. And then also Tanner Muse, what he's going to bring to the table. I think, again, he's going to be another guy that's going to uh, turn some heads this year. He's a sophomore, um, expecting big things out of him. I think, we're again, we're the backside of this defense, I think, is in pretty good shape, um, given the guys we have coming back and the talent there. Yeah, and I think going back and re-listening to our preview from last year, I think we were bullish uh, potentially on the defensive line and maybe a little, had some question marks in the secondary where – we really thought that this team would need to get um, pressure up front in order to kind of mask any sort of um, lack of experience in the in the secondary. I think this year we have a, a good amount of returning production back. You guys mentioned the talent on the depth chart um, coming in. I think that mixed with um, a really strong, at least starting four on the defensive line, means teams aren't going to be able to pick their poison. I think we'll, we'll have the pressure. We likely will also have um, the ability to contain receivers um, on the outside. So, you know, going back to the kind of ceiling and floor question, could this be the, one of the best defenses Brent Venables has fielded? Well, Venables was actually asked that question today, and he had a good answer. Um, well, he was asked, he compared it to, to the 2014 team or the, the 
the interviewer did. And, and they said, and he said the difference between the, that team and this team is this the upperclassmen, the leaders, they just always wanted more. They always wanted to be in the film room more. So it's hard to, hard to gauge if this team has that kind of desire, if they had that kind of upper-class leadership. I think they, there's a bit of it. I think you're doing Christian Wilkins. Yeah, yeah, there's some guys in there. Um, but, you know, that was a very senior-laden team, so that they had the benefit of that. But the other part is I think this this team has a little bit more high upside talent, just kind of game-changing talent. NFL players throughout this defense. Right, particularly at the line of scrimmage where you talk about Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins. Nothing against Grady Jarrett, but these guys are just a bit bigger and a bit more physically impressive, and it's hard to, hard to um, really – Kind of not factor that in when comparing. Yeah, to I'd say Dexter Lawrence is a bit bigger. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Um, I think for this defense, it really comes down to red zone tackling. That has to improve. Avoid giving up the big plays. You know, when teams get inside the red zone, just be solid there on the backside. And again, play the, against the tight end the, that that burned us throughout last year. Exactly. And you know, the big plays went down last year, but I still think they need to go down further. Um, and I think it happens this year again, like Cody, like you said, I think more of a well-rounded team, and I think you're going to see um, these things improve because of that. So we're feeling like roughly a top five defense is in, in their sights. I think it'd be a disappointment if it wasn't. Yeah, I think very high floor, uh, high ceiling, and yeah, I, I think top, If it's, I'd be really shocked if it's not top 10, but I think, I think top five is, is probably... The only way that I see it slipping beyond that is A, from injuries, um, but then also B, if the offense puts the defense in a lot of bad positions throughout the season just from uh, turnovers and not being able to move the ball. Right, we always have to make that caveat too because it, on paper, I feel like this has to be a top five defense. Um, but yeah, when you have when you don't, can't control your destiny in, in, in the time of possession, like if the offense is quickly getting off the field. Or if we can't punt over 35 yards. Right, right. Field position, yeah. not That's not their fault, but uh, at the end of the day, I think we're looking at a top five defense. Um, we're going to talk about the football schedule here in a moment and take a look at Clemson's opponents. But before we do that, I just wanted to take a moment to promote the podcast. Um, we do, we, we're three alumni from Clemson. We record roughly weekly during the season. Um, if this is your first time listening to us, we welcome you. Um, if you're back for another season with us, welcome back. Um, we'd really appreciate you know telling friends about the show. Um, and head over to iTunes and leave us a review um, if you like what you hear. Really, those reviews are the best way for people to find out about our podcast. Um, and we certainly want to uh, spread the word this season. Um, you can find us. Um, we upload our shows to SoundCloud. That's really the best place to keep track of our new recordings. Um, so soundcloud.com slash Clemson podcast. Um, but you can also subscribe to our show in your favorite podcasting app on your smartphone. Um, I myself use Overcast. A lot of people use the iTunes app. If you're on an Android device, I think Overcast is on Android, but there's also Stitcher. People use that a lot, judging by our analytics. So uh, we welcome all of our listeners internationally and in the U.S. here. Um, guys, anything to add? Yeah, I want to give a quick shout-out uh, to two of our Facebook uh, uh, guys who have messaged us with really nice things to say. Brett20, Brett Lag. Shout-out to you guys. The Bretts, loving us. Appreciate it. Killing it with the Bretts. Um, yeah, thanks to everybody. Um, really appreciate um, all the listening and the support. Uh, we're also, you mentioned our Facebook page. You can find us there. We're also on Twitter, at Clemson Podcast. Uh, so follow us down there. We will be commenting throughout the season. Um, and yeah, looking forward to it. Let's move on to the schedule. Guys, let's break down this season schedule into sort of chapters. Um, taking a look at the first few games of the year, we kick off this weekend against 
three and nine team from the Mac visiting Kent State Golden Flashes. Um, next, we host Auburn um, coming in from the SEC. That is at Death Valley um, a week from Saturday. Huge matchup for us. Week after Auburn, we actually travel up to Louisville um, to play the Cardinals, them of the Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson. Um, and after that, we'll, we'll head back to Death Valley to round out uh, the fourth game against Boston College. Um, so let's let's maybe pause there and talk about this first stretch of the schedule. We mentioned some of the experience, um, you know, or lack thereof that we're that we have on this football team. And this, you know, there may be harder stretches um, that other teams will be facing, but this is a pretty rough stretch in terms of any of the ACC uh, schedule, you know, of any of the teams in the league. Um, do you guys think that this is going to be a good thing ultimately for this this team to establish itself? Well, I think we get lucky this year in that we have Kent State first. Um, you definitely don't want to open up against an Auburn uh, this year or some of the bigger games that we've played in the past just because of the fact that we're breaking in a new starting quarterback. So I think that's really helpful. Um, although it gets worse really quick having Auburn, fortunately at home, but Auburn for the second game of the season. Auburn is going to have a better quarterback situation this year. Uh, they did lose some guys on defense, but still going to have a, a pretty good defense. So, you know, I think that's our first stumbling block when you look at it. it. It gets real, real quick. Yeah, I think one of the things, too, is Auburn is they're very good. I, th- I think I think they're much improved. They said at quarterback. This is a team that was in the college football playoff mix into November last year until no, until injuries started to take a toll. They only had two losses in November. Right. Yeah, they were a better team. They got they got better and they're bringing in that same momentum into this year. And I, I think what, what why it's a bad thing is because we we're, we're, we could potentially go through that same progression where we're not very good at the beginning. Where we're still working out some kinks um, and, and they are able to beat us. Yeah, I think. Uh, whereas we, I think by the end of the year we'll have a, a much more solid product. Yeah, a loss here in this game is not the end of the world. Um, we still have every goal in front of us. They're they're a non conference opponent, and it's the second game of the year, um, and it's going to be a tough test. It's very possible the the core of their offense is back. Uh, they're returning seven of eleven starters on defense. This is going to be a tough test uh, right out of the gates. Good to have Kent State as a warm up. I think one of the biggest challenges we'll have against Auburn is going to be. Um, containing what Gus Malzahn is able to do with returning quarterback or actually transfer quarterback, Jared Stidham. Um, Cody, what's your, you know, 32nd uh, scouting report on Stidham? Well, he's got a lot of arm talent, but he also is, is a, he's, he's a quick guy. He's not necessarily a, a run first quarterback. And I guess what, why that's interesting is because traditionally Malzahn has, has had a lot of success with a guy like Cam Newton run first and Nick Marshall also run first. But, uh, I mean, his, his track record is that if he has a good quarterback in the system, a guy like Stidham who can do things with his arms and, and legs, um, it could be a really, really good offense. Uh, luckily, we have a good, a good defense we're throwing out there, but um, that, that could potentially give them the upper hand, especially at the beginning of the year. So let's also mention the fact that, that they bring in a new offensive coordinator, uh, Chip Lindsey from Arizona State, so they'll have that to work with too. Um, talking about Stidham, uh, the situation is kind of a flip-flop for Clemson and Auburn. You mentioned Auburn usually likes to have that free or reeling running quarterback. That's what Malzahn likes. Uh, this year, they go more of Clemson's direction than where Clemson has been the, the past couple of years with Deshaun Watson, a guy who can run and can make some plays with his legs, but he's a strong passer. Uh, and it's also another guy Clemson has, Hunter Johnson, on the roster, Zarek Cooper, who might fit that mold. But the starter for Clemson is more of a Gus Malzahn type of guy and Kelly Bryant, a guy who is a run first. You know, his biggest asset is his leg. So it's interesting to see this dynamic and how that's going to take shape uh, once we get into this game. I think what 
and the reason I kind of brought this up is one of the, the key factors is if Stidham's able to get something going early, um, if Chip Lindsay can manufacture some points, it'll remain to be seen if Clemson can play from, from a deficit. And with this offense and with what they've got with Kelly Bryant, um, if Stidham has early success, you know, what are we, what are we left with at that point? Um, all the confidence in the world of Brevin Venables to game plan for what, what Gus will throw at us. I think we saw last year in a hostile Auburn road visit um, that really we handled our business on defense early. Well, they played three quarterbacks. They didn't, they had no identity there. They didn't know what they were doing. Um, and Cameron uh Petaway didn't even play against Clemson last year. He had, well, he had no carries against Clemson last year. He ended up being the SEC's uh, leading rusher in terms of yardage. You combine him with uh, yeah, you combine him with uh, on Johnson, who had uh, 94 yards against Clemson last year. I mean, that's a that's a two-headed beast at running back. So not only are you bring in a guy, a former five-star in Stidham at quarterback, who played well at Baylor, you also got these two running backs to deal with. That's a more well-rounded offense than Auburn has had in recent uh, in the recent past. Uh, on the other side of the ball, not to sell Auburn short defensively, they're helmed by uh, former Clemson defensive coordinator Kevin Steele. Uh, Auburn actually holds coming into into this game the number eleven preseason S and P plus advanced statistical ranking, number eleven on defense. Um, so that you know, they're, they're no slouch on that side of the ball either. Um, Cody, what do you, uh, from what you know about this Auburn defense, both returning from last year and what you know about this year? What is their Achilles heel? Where do you think we'll be able to make our make, make headway? Well, I, I think on paper they're pretty solid throughout. There, there's some question marks in the secondary, but in the, in the defensive tackle where they lost some 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 guys. But uh, so maybe in kind of the a gap b gap running game, if we can establish something there, um, beat them in the air. I don't know. I, we'll see what Kelly Bryant can give us there. But um, they're they're pretty well rounded. I, I I really think they're going to be a, a good defense, maybe even better than. S&P number 11. I, I think, I kind of disagree. I think it's all on their defensive line. Uh, they lose defensive end Carl Lawson and defensive tackle Montrevious Adams. That's big. That's like Clemson losing Christian Wilkins and Cleveland Farrell next year. That's how big that is. Um, those two combined for 13 and a half of their 23 and a half sacks last year. That's a lot of production. They have guys there. They have talent, but none of them who've played um, a significant amount. Again, this is very fortunate that we get them early in the season. I think this is a situation where we are going to need to establish a run game to maybe open up some things in the passing game in the secondary. They have guys coming back with talent and experience in the secondary. They did lose safety Rudy Ford. Um, so they are they are missing some big keys uh, to this defense. Are they going to be as good as they were last year? They could be, but maybe not right out of the gates. Yeah, and I think this is where our we mentioned our offensive line and what they're bringing to the table. That experience, the fact that they've gelled together, um, for the most part, as a core unit, um, is going to be critical for um, holding up against maybe a defensive line that is still getting its footing. Yeah, they're going to be trying to find their identity. Um, again, we have them early in the season at home, and those new guys aren't going to be able to develop in the first game against Georgia Southern. That's just not going to happen. That's not a big enough test. We'll see if your logic holds true when we cover Clemson on the offensive side. Fair enough. Uh, well, let's let's flip it over to Clemson then, Cody. What are you... How do you game plan for this this Auburn defense if you're Tony Elliott? Well, I mean, I guess kind of like what Ben said, you do have to attack them with the run game because uh, I mean, if there is an area, I think it's their interior defensive line where you can make you know make your make your bones. But uh, with Kelly Bryant, I still don't know what we're getting. I have no idea how he's going to be as a downfield passer. So it is, it's a lot of RPOs, a lot of zone reads, and it, everything we do this year is going to be predicated on the run game. If Kelly Bryant is our is our quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. It's the run game or the threat of the run. 
Um, are you guys seeing this game? What's more likely here? Uh, kind of low scoring, you know, they absorb each other's punches. Um, or do you actually think this could kind of creep up in terms of points on the board? Well, I hope it's not as ugly as the 19 to 14 game last year. It's painful. Um, I do expect there to be more scoring than that. Uh, but I still think you're going to see some really good defense played for both teams. Yeah, it could just be a matter of, again, can either offense really get going? You know, It's hard to say. We don't know how good Kelly time. Bryant's going to be, and we, we still really don't know how uh, good Stidham's going to be because remember, he was playing against Big 12 defenses. Yeah, It's a different story when you're playing Clemson's defense. I mean, and another way to look at this game is two top 10 defenses playing one another against two yet unproven questionable offenses. So... I, that's why I'm leaning potentially a lower scoring game, um, personally. But I don't think you're going to see it in the 40s. Right. I mean, I think we know what we're going to get out of this Auburn game. Should be one of the best games on the, the calendar for us. Thankfully, this one's at home in Death Valley, um, and I, I I personally trust our coaching staff here um, to figure out the right X's and O's to get this one done. Um, let's move on to the Louisville game, guys. One week later, go on the road. Um, Louisville has been in the league what four years now. All three previous. Um, meetings have been settled by one touchdown or less, uh, really come down to the very end of the, these games. I don't expect this year to be any different. I think this one, once again, will be kept close. Uh, Louisville profiling them as an opponent, uh, they're going to be pretty similar to what their highs and lows were from last season. Um, they turn over their defensive coordinator. I don't think anyone saw Louisville as a defensive defense first team last year, being that they had Lamar Jackson, Heisman winner. He's back. You know, he should be a very potent part of their offense, but question marks that slowed them down the stretch regarding their offensive line come back and you have those same questions this year. They've not bolstered that depth. Um, you know, believe uh, in general, yeah, it's, it's kind of the same situation. So um, the question is, can Clemson take their act on the road you this know, early in the season? I'm not as concerned about Louisville this year. Um, you look at how they ended the season last year. They lost their last three games. Um, and it was just from sacks and fumbles, missed tackles, blown assignments. Number one, that points to coaching. Uh, number two, yeah, they do have Lamar Jackson, but they've got big questions on the offensive line. They're having to replace three starters there. Yeah. Um, they've got a committee at running back. They don't have a number one guy for that position yet. And all their top passing targets are gone. And then the guy that, that was going to step in to be their number two wide receiver this year, Devontae Pete, he's out for the season with a torn ACL. So on that offense, you have Lamar Jackson, nobody to protect him, and nobody to catch uh, the catch passes from him, not to mention that he's not that accurate to begin with. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I tend to agree with you, Ben. I, it's not just that they're having to replace people. It's that they're just, they don't recruit at the same level. There's a significant talent discrepancy between us. And there was last year. It shouldn't have been as close. That was the greatness of Lamar Jackson and Bobby Petrino um, keeping that game close. Um, but I, I think there's going to be a drop off. Certainly. And turnovers. Yeah, turnovers yeah. were a big part. That was a ridiculous game. Those turnovers on both sides of the ball. Right. Or both right. Team, for both teams. But I would, I would say that uh, th there's two ways you could, you could look at this. In the offseason, Bobby Petrino, Lamar Jackson, there's going to be a lot of tape out on them. Do they make adjustments? Um, or do, do defensive corners make adjustments for them? How do they respond to those adjustments? And Bobby Petrino is an offensive wizard. I think there's going to be some, some good that's going to come out of that. The other part of it is it's a money year for Lamar Jackson, and I could very well see him kind of putting uh, putting a hold on things with uh, with a very suspect offensive line. Well, especially, yeah. Protecting he, that he, He's going to get beat up, and I think the key to stopping them is sell out to stop the run, overwhelm that 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 Louisville offensive line, the very young and inexperienced offensive line, 
And then again, he his all his top receivers are gone. All his playmakers are gone. There's nothing between our defensive line or anybody's defensive line really and Lamar Jackson except for Lamar Jackson's legs. I think you need to have the same game plan on defense of pressure, 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 sending sending three, sending four. Um, and then really what um, yeah, certainly blitzes um, as as they as they need to, but um, containing Lamar Jackson as happened in the first half last last year's game. Uh, was a formula for success where Clemson went awry and Louisville got up off the mat was a pick six to start the second half. You know, I think we turned it over three drives in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and in any event, uh, let them back into that game. I think potentially this is a, a case where you can play a little bit more of a ball control game on the offensive side, be a little, I don't want to say conservative, but um, this coaching staff certainly knows when to press and when to kind of hold back. Um, and that's something that I think um, would prove wise in this game. Well, and that's the other thing. You talk about their defense and how we may fare on offense. Remember, they they swapped offensive or defensive coordinators with Mississippi State. Todd Grantham leaving for Mississippi State. They get um, Peter uh, Simon in return, or Sermon. Uh, and that's a downgrade for them. Todd Grantham is regarded as the better defensive coordinator. Uh, so not only that, you combine that with the fact that their defensive line has lost a lot of guys to the NFL the past few years. Um, their secondary should be a strength. And again, you got that going against Clemson's perceived weakness on offense, which is throwing the ball. But this is not going to be the best defense that we see all year by any stretch of the imagination. So, yeah, I think we just need to control uh, things on the offensive side of the ball and then let our defense do the work. Don't make the same mistakes that we made last year turning over the ball, especially on the road. Sounds good. Um, certainly a hostile environment. I imagine they'll schedule that one for a night game. Um, obviously, we play Auburn the week before heading into that one. Louisville heads on the road to Chapel Hill. It remains to be seen how good UNC will be this year, but I imagine they will need to put a little bit on film in that game. We certainly will leave it all out there. Louisville is actually it's a 3.30 p.m. East Coast start. Got it. Against UNC. We'll take a look at that one. I mean, that's going to be during the Auburn game, most likely. Uh, but we'll get, get the highlights of that one. Um, take a look at Lamar and how they fare. But um, yeah, you know, Louisville, we know what we're going to get with that one. Should be a tough matchup. But uh, I think this is, again, where Clemson's coaching and talent should prevail. Um, we just need to see, does Lamar, is Lamar able to go off against Clemson? I think the book's out on him. I, you know, I didn't think at the end of last year, you had a lot of people uh, second-guessing whether or not he should have actually won the Heisman Trophy. I don't think he had as stellar end of the season as he did to the beginning of the season because that's what really won it for him. But you, you see the... The fact of the matter, they lost the last three games last year. That's right. Um, and to round out sort of the first third of the season, we head back to Death Valley, hopefully with a 3-0 record, um, and host Boston College. Um, and this is not a Boston College like it was a decade ago where they were perennial sort of ACC Atlantic contenders. This is a Boston College with an anemic offense, sort of a defense-first mentality. I can't see this as anything other than a speed bump coming off of that. I, I think the most intriguing game. thing about this game is that if you see Clemson come in this game at one and two, that this is when Hunter Johnson starts. Could well be. Um, I admittedly have not done tons of homework on BC here. Um, you know, S&P preseason has them outside of the top 50. Um, so, again, you know, one and two coming into that game would be a definitely different complexion to this season. I don't expect that to be the case. Could well be that, right? Even at 2-1, and one, if Kelly Bryant struggles um, in the two games against Louisville and Auburn, you still may see Hunter Johnson at this point not pulling for that. I'm just saying that's a logical 
spot. Yeah, and you may see that anyway, depending on you know the score of this game early. Do, does the coaching staff use maybe a second half opportunity against BC, even if we're three and zero? This is this is one of those. I mean, again, it's hard to find a spot early in the season on this schedule where you get guys like Zarek Cooper, Hunter Johnson, some reps. Given Kelly Bryant's inexperience and just he needs the playing time, um, this you're right. This could be one of those games. Uh, so let's move on to the next sort of part of the, of the season here. Uh, Clemson travels on the road September 30th to Virginia Tech. Week after that, back to Death Valley for Wake Forest. Then on a Friday night, heads up to Syracuse, New York to play the Orange. Um, and lastly, comes back to Clemson. It's kind of back and forth all season. Um, back for Georgia Tech um, right before Halloween. So, I mean, the, the, the most interesting parts of this, you know, we'll first look at Virginia Tech. Um, I think this is the softest part of the schedule being in the middle of the season. You look at the Georgia Tech game, we get Syracuse two weeks before that, so our bye week comes at a good spot. Um, Syracuse is on a Friday night. I hate that, but other than that, I I think we handled them pretty easily. I think this portion of the schedule is, is what I would call our cupcake portion for the most part. I know Virginia Tech gave us a battle in the ACC championship game last year, but they're not going to be the same team that they, that they were last year. They lose Gerard Evans um, as their quarterback. Uh, they lose their top two quarterbacks. In fact, the top uh, uh, three of their top four running backs, three of their top four receiving targets, and two all-conference offensive linemen. That, that's just too much for a team like Virginia Tech. Uh, to be able to handle, to bounce back and play as well as they did last year. I know Justin Fuentes is a good coach. They got a great defensive co- uh, coordinator in Bud Foster. But I think the biggest uh, threat for Clemson in this game is just the atmosphere of Blacksburg. Yeah, it's going to be another strength-on-strength strength defense against offenses, offenses that are trying to reclaim their identity. The edge has to go to Clemson here with the talent. Uh, but then you also, as you mentioned, Ben, Blacksburg is a tough place to play, uh, depending on what records look like by that point of the year. Maybe this will be a night game. Um, that's definitely one I, I wish I could attend. I think that's one of the road uh, Clemson road opponents I'd most like to get to. I don't think I'm going to make it this year, but yeah, you mean, it should be a good one. But even talking to their defense, their defensive line is going to have to replace three starters. Um, they're relying on sophomores and juniors. Um, their back seven is w- w- you know one of the best groups in the ACC. All their linebackers return. But I, again, talent-wise, I just don't think it's enough. I think they have too many missing pieces from last year. It was, you know, a pretty good season for them. Why Gerard Evans left for the NFL draft a year early? Don't know. He didn't yeah, get drafted. That's bad info, I think. I still um, don't think he's on a team. Uh, but, again, I you look at Virginia Tech, and I think because of how they played last year and how they've been in recent um, uh, memory, that, that looks at, you look at that and it scares you. But, again, I don't think this is one of the scarier games on Clemson's schedule. I mean, while there are certainly easier coastal opponents we could have had, Duke, Virginia, even a rebuilding pit, I think this is the right time for us to have gotten a Virginia Tech team based on the state of where Clemson's team is. You know, this is not your Virginia Tech teams of a decade ago with Logan Thomas um, or, you know, one of the Vicks. Um, but ultimately, you know, I think they're they're in a rebuilding spot. So um, kind of worked out well for us. Um, this is a tough one on the road, of course, but we're flanked there by somewhat easier opponents. So I think it's all right. Guys, I don't think we need to dwell too much on the Wake Forest, Syracuse, Georgia Tech stretch. Um, you know, Tech probably would be the most formidable of these teams, um, but they've had their quarterback be dismissed from the team for disciplinary reasons. Don't really expect them to put up much of a fight against the Tigers in Death Valley. So really, like you said, Ben, this, this kind of feels like the sort of middle cupcake stretch of the schedule. Um, maybe a time to get, get guys healthy, get some more reps, kind of um, set up for what proves to be a, couple, a, a tough couple-week stretch um, as we get into November. 
Yeah, I think the for me the Georgia Tech game, um, it doesn't. We know what we're going to see out of Georgia Tech, and I think we've proven over the past several years that we know how to defend that offense. It doesn't really change year in and year out. It's just about the personnel, and they're not recruiting any better than they have been. So, I I, I don't fear that game anymore. That brings us to the last third of the year. We travel to Raleigh on the fourth of November uh, to face NC State. Keep hearing a lot of. Uh, writers, national writers, hype up what this NC State team could be. They're kind of the sexy pick as a dark horse in the ACC Atlantic. I personally am not seeing it. I know that on offense they've turned over some guys. Matt Days is now a Cleveland Brown. Uh, but NC State does bring back a lot of talent on defense, particularly in the line. They're one of the top lines in the country. Ben, I think among the three of us, you've been the most, uh, I guess, you know, uh, on top of the NC State team this year. What are your thoughts going into this game? Well, what Clemson fans have to remember is this is a team that almost beat us last year and should have beat us, missing a field goal uh, there in the fourth quarter. We ended up beating them in overtime, 24-17. to um, They were only 7-6 last year, 3-5 and five in the ACC. They did beat Vanderbilt uh, in the Independence Bowl. Woo! Vanderbilt, yeah, not the greatest uh, challenger or opponent, but they are an SEC team. They've got a lot of guys returning. They've got a lot of guys returning on defense this year. Um, and, and they were very talented on defense last year. It took us into overtime to score 24 points. Um, this, this They also concussed through illegally targeting Wayne Gallman. They did. And if that's going to be part of their game plan, we could be in trouble. Um, but take a look at where the biggest threat of this game is take a look at where it falls on the schedule. The previous two weeks, you've been preparing for a triple option uh, offense in Georgia Tech. Uh, so you're coming, uh, you're a week off of playing that 1800s offense, and you're having to prepare to go in and play at NC State. Um, not to mention you have a big Florida State game looming the week after that. This is a classic trap game, and NC State's going to be better than they were last year, and the defense is going to be their strong suit, and the offense is not going to be our strong suit this year. Um, maybe it's, well, it should be better by this point in the season, but... Don't overlook this game. I, th- I think this could be a stumbling block for Clemson. Yeah, and this is uh, a team that's going to be a little upset from last year, and they're going to be playing it there in their stadium. I, I could definitely see that. And I don't necessarily agree that they'll be worse or that they'll be a lot better than last year, but last year was good enough to really beat us. And uh, Listen, they have one of the top uh, defensive fronts in the country. Um, top five linemen and top three linebackers are back this year. Uh, they get on and disrupt the run better than, than almost any team in the country, this is going to be a tough game. And Clemson fans should be worried about this one. It's not the Virginia Tech. I don't even think it's Louisville. This NC State game is going to be a tough one. They go to Notre Dame the week before. Notre Dame should be a reasonably above-average opponent this season. So I think that that is in Clemson's favor. Um, it's not like they're looking their chops against Duke um, the week before heading into our game. So um, I'm going to keep a... A wandering eye on that South Carolina NC State game this weekend, just to see you know what what they can do against the Gamecocks. I think they may put up a pretty big number on them and, and win by a, a sizable margin. I really do. I think you're going to see an, an improved NC State team this year. Dave Dorn is going to be on the hot seat if he doesn't perform this year. Watch out for NC State. Following week, back to Clemson. We host the Seminoles on the 11th of November. I think that's the 10th game. Um, this proves to really be one of the biggest games, if not the biggest, um, should determine the Atlantic in terms of who takes that title and moves into the the ACC championship game, um, as it has for the past several years. 
so what do we know about Florida State? Cody, you are a disciple of the Knoll cast. Uh, you could pretty much recite every word that those guys say at this point. Um, what, do you, what, do we, what do we need to know about this Florida State opponent? Well, if you look at any ranking or any national national publication, they, they're ranked in the top four, and in a lot of cases at number three, just behind Ohio State and Alabama. But I'm not buying the hype. We've talked about it a little bit offline. I don't think you're buying the hype either, Tully. And for me, it's it's not that uh, that they have talent. It's spread throughout the roster. I really, I'm really bullish on their defense. I think it's going to be one of the best in the country, as good if not maybe even better than ours. Right, we'll, we'll see how that works out. But it's their offense. I just don't think. Um, and, you know, before I, I I'll, I'll be more objective and, and DeAndre Francois, I, I suspect he'll take a step forward this year, but the, he's not Jameis Winston. Um, maybe he will see how if he can close that gap and get a little bit closer to the, a Jameis Winston version of himself. But there's no no, no track record to prove it. Same for their wideouts. Um, you know, a lot of talent there, a lot of recruited talent, but guys that have vastly um, not lived up to expectations there. Well, and they're, they're replacing their last, uh, their top four receiving targets from last year. Travis Rudolph gone, uh, Jesus Wilson, Kermit Whitfield, and Dalvin Cook. Right, and th- those are all guys that didn't live up to expectations. It's like a, a new line of, of players that haven't met expectations yet. Guys like Auden Tate and and, uh, and Nyquan Murray, and I can't think of the next guy in line, but um, the, George Campbell, a guy that we recruited. So, I, you know, I think that nationally they're getting a lot of benefit of the doubt uh, in terms of what how they project offensively. Some teams, some sides of the ball, like Clemson's def- defense, always, I think, deserves the benefit, of the benefit of the doubt. Same with Alabama. But I, I think, what, three years running now, FSU has, has not lived up to expectations well, on well, offense. It, what makes us suspect they'll, they'll do that this especially year? Especially without Dalvin Cook. Big, big, big part of who they were last year was Dalvin Cook correcting a lot of their wrongs, righting a lot of their He's, wrongs. He was a security blanket for uh, DeAndre Francois. Right, and in this year, who do they have? Um, and I, I've heard some excitement on the Null cast from Jacquez Patrick, and I've seen Cam Akers' film. It's unbelievable how good that freshman might be, but he played quarterback last year in high school, and I, I don't know if he's there yet. Um, there's a lot of, and again, you always, you always want to bet on talent, but you're projecting a whole lot in this case. Um, totally. What's your take? Because I know you follow the Nolcast as well, or you follow the Seminoles. <clears throat> what's kind of tricky here. So we're about to see almost any, everything FSU has to offer in this Alabama game this coming weekend in week one. Uh, but I don't actually know that that's going to teach us very much about what's going to happen in the 10th week of the season against Clemson. Um, I think I share some of your maybe pessimism over the ceiling of this offense, um, or even the floor. I mean, I kind of think they've got a pretty low floor. Uh, I Am I getting this number right? Do they have 19 scholarship offensive linemen? They did last year, yes. Yeah, and it, that number is pretty close this year, but it seems like they've had either number of injuries, team departures, um, you know, guys who had something like uh, their starting center, I believe had double hip surgery that he's coming back from, um, seems like a very painful um, surgery to, tr- to try to rehab from and come in and start um, you know, this season. But I, I think there's just enough question marks to say, does this really feel like a number three team in the country? I don't believe so. Um, we haven't mentioned the number one talent on this team yet coming back from injury from last year, Derwin James. Well, and that's the thing. And that's why it's going to be tough for us in this game is, yeah, their offense may not produce much, although they do have talent and playmakers to where they can put up some points. Are we going to be able to put up points? Uh, this defense is going to be solid this year. And you mentioned Derwin James. It's going to be hard to pass on this team. 
um, which again is going to be Clemson's perceived weakness. Now, at this point in the season, this is our third to last game of the regular season. Either Kelly Bryant's having a really good year and he's still solidly the starter, or Hunter Johnson's in there at this point, and we know it, we, we, we anticipate that he's going to do great things with his arm. So it, good for us to have him at this point in the season. Hopefully the offense is, is clicking on all cylinders at this point, so that can mitigate uh, some of their strengths on defense. Uh, but I think across the board, you're right. I think they have a lot of questions. I think they have the potential to be a top-five team. Will they end up that way? I'm not sure. Right, and I can say that you know, similar to our quarterback situation, we, high, you know, lot from the floor to the ceiling, you know, quite a difference depending on how good the quarterback is, and same for them with their quarterback, with their defense, with their running back situation. But whenever there's question marks, you can't always err on the the highest level of optimism. And for Florida State, and what it seems like, I hate to throw out the overrated thing, but it seems like they're getting a lot of benefit of the doubt, particularly with getting in the playoff. They were projected last year, if you recall as a playoff team, like a 1A, 1B uh, with us in terms of ACC contenders. There was talk about two ACC teams making it us in Florida State last year. It was all the buzz. It was all the rage uh, during the offseason last year. And, uh, and again, they they finished well, and they're talented, and they, they have that same momentum coming into the year. But I don't think it's enough uh, to say they're a, a bona fide number three playoff contender and an ACC frontrunner. Well, we'll know something real quick after this Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And that will... I mean, if they if they lose close to Alabama, maybe that doesn't sink their season. But, you know, it would be a very large uphill battle for a two-loss Florida State team to creep back into the playoff picture, um, assuming that they have another loss along the way to, you know, Louisville, Clemson, et cetera. Um, so I'm personally tempering my expectations for Florida State season. We'll see what this matchup against Clemson looks like. I, at this point, I think I give a coaching edge to the Tigers, um, a talent edge maybe slightly to the Seminoles, although returning production-wise, I think we, we may have them. I think based on recruiting rankings, you give it to the Seminoles, uh, but I, I think it's pretty even across the board here. I mean, bottom line is these are two very, very good football teams. Um, I, I think there's only two conferences in the country that you could have a, a, a team that didn't win the conference uh, get into a college football playoff, meaning you're taking two teams from a conference. I think that's the ACC and the SEC. The SEC because of recent prestige, the ACC because Clemson and Florida State are just so good, and they've proven that in, in recent history. Not here to talk conferences. Um, there may be a couple others that have a claim to that. We'll get into that with our when we go around the country. But this, you know, this this one may be for all the marbles in terms of the ACC, the ACC Atlantic for sure. So uh, should be a great game. Once again, let's thank our blessings that this one will be played in Clemson. Um, I think that could end up being a factor here. So, um, you know, we know the crowd will show up for that one. Um, and to wrap up the season, you know, moving off of Florida state, we host the Citadel before we play South Carolina on the road in Columbia to wrap up the season. Um, I'm expecting just about the same level of play between both these opponents. Well, <laughs> I, ex the Citadel may actually be tougher. They, they've beaten South Carolina since South Carolina's won a game against Clemson. Uh, so watch out for the Bulldogs. Yeah, in all seriousness, I imagine you will see some progression um, of the South Carolina team, probably for the most part on offense. Um, they've been recruiting well within the state. Cody, you may know, know more about that than I do um, in terms of who's, who's joining the team this year. But well, That's fine that they're as recruiting well within the state, but the state hasn't exactly been putting out the greatest of talent lately. 
Right. They, are you wearing a garnet shirt? He is wearing a garnet shirt. I just noticed that. Yeah. I'm wearing. Uh, he had a did game they give that to you freshman year? Chair. They did. Yeah, I wear clothes from freshman year of college at USC. Do you have a Duke shirt underneath that? Yes, I do have a Duke shirt on underneath this. Uh, so, anyways, tell us about South Carolina, Florida State underwear. Uh, so, no, South Carolina. They have an infusion of talent, but it's not like it. You know, they have like their version of AJ Terrell. That's Jamius uh, Williams, or yeah, well, Jamius Williams. It's. It's Jemias a, Williams. It's SCS. not the same thing, though. It's not. Yeah, it's a kid's like five ten. Right, five, right, five, eight. right. They have a, they have some some talent, but it's not it's not to the level anywhere close to Clemson or elite, uh, particularly to contend in the SEC. I, I like you, Kelly. I, I assume some progression over last year, but moderate at most. So fifty six to ten, is that we're expecting. Yes. Yeah, they tack on another field goal maybe this year, given the home field advantage. Sounds good. Well, that probably bodes to be a noon game, right? Um, and, you know, for, for the most part, that should wrap up our season. Uh, let's maybe, before we transition to kind of predictions for this Clemson team, who do you guys see coming out of the Coastal? You know, where Clemson to face one of these opponents in the ACC title game? I've actually got Pitt. I think they're going to be a sleeper this year. They, they, had a, they had a decent season last year. They got a strong football team. You saw what they did against Clemson. Um, and the Coastal Division is always a battle. There's, there's always several teams that are right up there. North Carolina has to deal with the loss of uh, Mitch Trubisky. Uh, we talked about Virginia Tech and everybody that they're losing there. Uh, you may, you know, somebody may say Miami. They've got a lot of talent. Mark Rick is putting something together there. It uh, remains to be seen how good uh, they're going to be over the long run. Uh, but, yeah, I got Pitt. Well, Pitt doesn't, and their Atlantic slate does not consist of Louisville, Florida State, or Clemson, so that could be a nice under-the-radar type pick. Um, I, I think everyone's saying Miami. I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. Uh, really good front seven. Uh, I think Mark Rick's got them going in the right direction, and I hope he continues his trajectory and they can uh, overtake Georgia. That's, that's my goal for that program. So I, I think, and I don't know a whole lot about the Coastal, but I'm going with Miami. I picked this team last year to win the Coastal, and I'm going to stick with them this year. Virginia Tech, I think, is going to come out. Um, I, I think Justin Fuente is the best coach in the Coastal, um, and they've got the continuity factor of Bud Foster there going in, in their favor. Um, I think defense is going to be at a premium in the Coastal, uh, so I'm going to stick with them. But you know, Miami is kind of the 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 one B option, and Virginia Tech goes to Miami to play that game. Um, so. The one thing I'll say is we know that that's not necessarily home home field advantage. They play in an NFL stadium like 30 miles from campus. So I'm going Virginia Tech. Um, you know, hopefully we're going to see a rematch um, if Clemson's in the title game. But could be any of these three teams, right? I guess on the pit front, I mean, they've turned over. Matt Canada is now offense coordinator in LSU. Nathan Peterman's in the league. But, you know, they, they recruit well. They're probably going to be a defense first team, judging by their head coach. Uh, so yeah, yeah I think so, and I don't see a lot of great offenses in the Coastal Division right now. Exactly, guys. Maybe before we get into the playoff picture and where Clemson season will ultimately culminate, why don't we just go through and talk about Clemson's schedule, where we, where you kind of see us fitting? I will go first. I see Clemson as a one-loss team. I think we're going to go eleven and one. I think we're going to win the Atlantic. I think our one loss is going to be against Auburn, week two. I've got us at two losses. Um, 
And I do have a loss against Auburn. I think just having that game so early in the season, we're going to be facing a really good defense. Their offense could be much improved. I think that's going to be a tough test for us. And then I kind of hinted at this, at this, but I think that NC State game, I got that penciled in as a loss. I do think we end up beating Florida State, but I think that's a trap game. I think NC State's going to be improved. We saw what they did against us last year. I've got us at a 10-2 and regular season team. I'm going 9-3. and uh, Auburn, Florida State, and NC State. Two losses in a row there. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Cody, what ultimately, not to put you on the spot about protect your picks, but uh, what ultimately do you think leads to those two losses in a row? What What about this team? You know, doesn't doesn't go right, doesn't break right for the Tigers. Could be. I mean, it could be as simple as injury luck. I think. On the defensive line, we're one injury, maybe two away from being in a in a really bad situation. And I mean, I think those are formidable opponents. I don't think I mean Florida State. I, even though I, you know I was kind of trashing them, they're they're a really good squad. NC State, I think. I talked you into that one. You talked me into that one, yeah. Literally in the last thirty minutes. Um, if, for me, I you know, I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's just growing pains in the Auburn game, and I think the NC State game's a trap game. You saw Deshaun Watson lose to Pitt last year. So there you go. Uh, I think Kelly Bryant remains a starter all year long. I think he's actually going to perform well. I don't think that we see uh, 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 Zarek Cooper or Hunter Johnson get placed in there ahead of him. So I don't think it's going to be about Kelly Bryant. I just think it's going to be about other factors. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> where my head is, I don't see us tr- dominating every opponent by a three-score margin every single game. But I think the way the schedule sets up, if we can s- sneak through that first month of the season, maybe we do drop one to Auburn at home. Very, very tough opponent. Um, but I think there is that middle stretch of the season where you could get, you know, the right level ex- of experience up on the team um, to be able to survive that late, you know, tough barrage of the Wolfpack and Seminoles back to back. I think by that point, we will have we will have more of an offensive identity. Um, and I'm really most of this is putting my trust and faith in the talent recruited, but also in the coaching staff. Um, in terms of getting the, the game plans right. So totally in both our scenarios, I mean, you have Clemson going undefeated in the ACC. I have uh, Clemson as a one-loss team in the ACC to uh, to NC State, but that would mean also a win over Florida State and a win over Louisville. So that has both of us putting Clemson as the ACC Atlantic uh, division winners and in the ACC title game. Yeah, and, you know, not to defend my Virginia Tech pick out of the Coastal, but I, I'm really not seeing... I think we will handle business against them in Blacksburg. Is the game back in Charlotte this year? I think it's reinstated to be to be back there um, instead of Orlando as it was last year. But I, I would hope so. I, I don't yeah. think Orlando was the greatest destination, uh, not for that game. But um, I mean, I think a Miami matchup for Clemson would be the one that would probably test our team the most. Um, None of these teams scare me. Yeah. Uh, and I'd look forward, you know, I mentioned Pitt, I think, is going to win. I'd just look forward to revenge. I think that would be an interesting storyline if we got matched up against Pitt in the ACC championship game um, and maybe get some revenge for the loss last season. I'm, I'm down for that. Um, but, yeah, Cody, who's your ACC champ? Uh, Florida State, yeah. And who do? And they, they overtake Miami. Miami, yeah. So it's like a rematch game for them as well. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you have them beating Alabama? No, I think uh, I think Alabama covers the like I think it's a seven point spread. I think they win by at least two touchdowns. Yeah, fair point. Um, so we've got the ACC winner, Clemson. Let's say Cody picked the Knolls. Um, ben, why don't you give us your Power Five conference title winners? 
Well, I got Clemson beating Pitt in the ACC championship game. Um, Clemson is your ACC champions for the third year in a row. Um, this is a very powerful program that Dabo uh, Sweeney has built. Uh, we are loaded with talent. Um, you know, I, I don't want to um, take it lightly that we are uh, losing the greatest losing the greatest player in the history of Clemson football. But I think this speaks volumes to what Dabo and the the, the coaching staff has done in recruiting. Um, so looking across to the other Power Five conferences, I got Alabama over Georgia in the SEC. I think Alabama, until I see anybody in the SEC SEC do anything, um, I don't expect anybody but Alabama to be there as long as Nick Saban's uh, coaching. The Big Ten, uh, Ohio State, they return a lot of talent this year. I have them over Wisconsin. I think I see Penn State taking a step back. I think they were kind of a flash in the pan last year. Uh, in the Big 12, Oklahoma State. You know, Oklahoma State ended the, the year pretty well last year. They had a good run. Um, I have them over Oklahoma. The Big 12, for the first time this year, is going to have a title game. So I think that's something interesting to watch there. But I got Oklahoma State over Oklahoma. Um, and then in the Pac-12, Southern Cal. Uh, you saw what they did in that uh, bowl game, the Rose Bowl against Penn State last year. You saw that quarterback. I got USC over Washington. All right, I think I'll go next. Um, Clemson, as I mentioned previously, I think, again, three peats as ACC champs. I have Alabama over Florida, um, same, same as this past year. Um, actually, in two years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Florida was in a much worse spot a couple seasons ago. But um, I, yeah. I, Does Florida have anybody not suspended on their team right now? SEC East, man. It's a, it's a rough rough field out there. Um, we're going to have kind of a similar similar story here. Ohio State, I, I see them actually as one of the top two teams in the country. Um, I think they, they win the Big Ten running or going away. They have a very favorable um, schedule this season. They're a real tough matchup. Um, most of those are at home, but they do go on the road to Ann Arbor. I just think um, Urban Meyer has Jim Harbaugh's number, and they're going to just take care of business there. Um, okay, West Coast. I'm going with Washington. I think that they will... Um, beat USC. I think that they have the coaching edge. Um, you know, everyone talks about um, Sam Darnold, Heisman favorite coming into the year, but Jake Browning's no slouch. And certainly in, in giant games, he has the tendency to not show up, but he, you know, he faced Alabama under the brightest of lights and, you know, for the most part came through it unscathed. Um, you know, certainly they lost that game, but I think more of that was on Scarborough um, than it was on, um, Jake Browning. So I, I could see Washington taking care of business in the Pac-12. Um, and the Big 12 doesn't really matter. Um, I don't even need to pick a champion because they're not making the playoff. <laughs> you know, there was a really good article, uh, I think, by Andy Katz uh, today on ESPN saying that uh, the the Big 12 is going to have buyer's remorse in putting in this uh well, they play a round robin schedule, so like there's no well, there's no intrigue to this championship game. Well, and what he was saying is the the, the way that it plays out these between Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, they have some losses earlier in the year. He actually has Oklahoma beating Oklahoma State uh, during the season, but then he has Oklahoma State beating Oklahoma in the champ in the conference later. in the conference yeah. championship game. Um, and there you go, both those teams have like two or three losses. Big Twelve gets left out again. Cody, so I'm, I think I'm pick, uh, piggybacking off of Ben's picks, but I got. Florida State, as I mentioned, over Miami in the ACC. Um, SEC, Alabama, big shocker there over over Georgia. I think Georgia will will take the take the leap this year. Ohio State in the Big Ten. Although I look for Michigan to be a sleeper team. I I, I think Harbaugh's 
as crazy as he is, he's he's a good coach, and he might get them to where uh, and to a playoff spot. Uh, and then in the Pac-12 also going USC uh, over Washington, and then Stanford is maybe a sleeper there, but I think USC is is the most talented from top to bottom. So oh, and Oklahoma State also over Oklahoma. So what what merit you mentioned Michigan and you hear a lot of people talk about Michigan but they all preface it on saying it's because of Jim Harbaugh they lose to real peppers um, we don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be how do you even have Michigan in there is well, it you, just on prestige and we're Jim losing Harbaugh? Ben Bulware and we're supplant or we're, we're plugging in Trey Lamar it's recruiting you know so he's I mean I don't know who I, I don't know who's in the pipeline but they, they're they're young those recruits that he's just not getting in are, I think he'll have them ready. Uh, sooner than later this is all speculation again until we see i haven't seen michigan do anything i haven't really seen jim harbaugh do anything he had success at stanford but stanford has been he had a good year last year really good since well, he, he had an okay it's, season it's not last, a good, last year until he'll know more they're not, they're not a great team on paper they weren't last year they had some good players but not great and he got he almost got them to the playoffs same with uh, i believe the year and before they had three losses there in a crappy di- uh, division in college football or a crappy conference i don't think the big 10 is as good as they made out to be listen everybody puts this prestige on michigan and jim harbaugh they've they've won one national championship since 1948 and the last one was was two decades ago byu has won a national championship why in that it, same why amount of time why are you going back to 1948 for cuz i'm telling you everybody builds michigan up and puts yeah. them up there as this program, they talk about their prestige. This is the brand. Because of the brand. I'm telling yeah. you, the brand is nothing. I mean, again, don't talk about me. You know, I don't want to hear about the national championships they won before 1948, well, before 1950. They, That's had the, back they had the number three recruiting class this past year. Well, good Previous year, they had Rashawn Gary. They had a tremendous class that year. It was a top five. I mean, I think we will start seeing this bear fruit. I think it's a, it's a bet on talent, and it's a bet on Jim Harbaugh. Good pedigree as a coach. He truly does, and he's done some stuff at Stanford too with less talent, much so, less talent yeah. based on their academic, uh, you know, standards. How many um, rings does he have? I mean, up until last year, how many did Dabo have as a coach? That I mean, one now. He yeah, and he was working with Stanford. Like, I mean, that's a tough. Like, this is only his third year. Like, let's let's give him some time. Like you said, it'll probably bear fruit. Uh, but you got to give some time. We know the formula. Nick Saban has the formula: get great talent, good coaching. And well, all of a sudden, you know, you start winning championships. Well, but you got to give it time. It took it took Clemson. Granted, we didn't have the resources of the brand of Michigan, but it, it took us what seven years with Dabo. Yeah, I just want to see it on the field before people start putting them I mean, up there. Many, the, the year that he came <clears throat> in, people had Michigan winning the Big Ten. How many wins do you think they'll have this year, Cody? Um, I think double digits. Okay, I think so, and I think that that will be ben, exceeding what will it take expectations. For you to respect Michigan, I want to see him win the Big Ten first. Um, we'll see what happens. Then I want to see how a Big Ten team... Oklahoma pre- pre- State hasn't won anything. Well, I'm not saying that they deserve to be in the playoff. And the Big 12 is also, eh, of a conference. So, yeah. I, I'm just saying, I want to... But, but nobody talks about Oklahoma State like people talk about Michigan, is what I'm saying. That's fair. Don't bet, uh, don't bet against Jim Harbaugh, man. You're going to be eating crow in probably a year, maybe six months. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. That, that conference champion lost to Clemson 31 nothing last year in the playoffs. So. Yeah, the Big Ten has not showed up too well in the playoff. Well, speaking of the playoff, why don't we transition to our picks? Um, we've stated our conference picks. Let's, let's go through this turbo style. Cody, four through one, who you got? Number four, Michigan. <laughs> uh, number, number three, USC. Number two, Ohio State. Number one, Alabama. 
So do you have picks out of that? Who do you have? Take us through. Alabama, Ohio State. Ohio State wins the national championship. Wow, Ohio State. Yeah. Um, I've got Alabama at one, uh, Ohio State at two, USC at three, Clemson at four. Sets up an intriguing rematch, Clemson-Alabama in the national title game. I think if you see a situation where... Uh, rematch. Yeah, I think if you see a situation where it's close between Clemson as uh, number four team and whomever the number three team may be, I think you might actually see the committee uh, give the odds uh, or push Clemson to the four spot to get that matchup early, not wanting to see a three-peat. I think if Deshaun Watson was still on the team, they would maybe push for that, but not in this case. Um, But I do have Alabama winning that game. I just think you know they're loaded with talent too and uh, the best player in the country and they're – you know, best player ever, um, did not leave the team last year. Um, I then have USC over Ohio State um, in the other semifinal game, and then I got Alabama taking it all, of course. Until I see otherwise from Nick Saban and his football team, it's, it's hard not to pick them. Uh, my four are in order Clemson four, Washington three, Ohio State two, Alabama one. Uh, Clemson will face Bama. Same, same result as Ben. I think we ultimately follow the Crimson Tide. Uh, no shame in that. Solid football team. They're re- they're loaded with talent. They've definitely turned over some on the defensive line, uh, but it looks like their offensive line is going to be the best yet. They've got Scarborough. They've got my Heisman prediction winner, Jalen Hurts, coming back at quarterback. So um, Bama is going to be formidable. Unfortunately, I, I don't I don't see Clemson beating them. I think that game is going to be in New Orleans, so I will be there. That would be the Sugar Bowl this year. Although Bama plays pretty poorly in the Sugar Bowl, so that could bode well for us, but. Um, on the other side, Ohio State, Washington, that's in the Rose Bowl. You kind of get the Big Ten, Pac-12, um, you know, tradition going there with that one. Ohio State's going to win that one in, in, you know, by a double-digit margin. And like Cody, I have Ohio State winning it all. Um, I think that they are going to be putting it together. Yes, they lost thirty-one to zero to Clemson last year, but they bring back considerable amount of talent. Every year in which Urban Meyer has lost a bowl game, they've turned around and won a title the next year. That it's happened twice. I think it'll happen a third time. In what world is Clemson national champs? It has to be in some type of Kelly Bryant is Lamar Jackson or he's Cam Newton or some version of Cam Newton and Nick Marshall. That that is the only way. Our defense is championship good. How far fetched is that outcome? I mean, I give it a twenty percent likelihood that he's going to be one of those guys. Yeah, I, I think you'd have to see Clemson have the number one defense in the country. Combined with, he's, Kelly Bryant's got to be over a sixty percent passer. I think that's just the fact of the matter. And and a hell of a running game. And then a really good running game, and it, with him running for for a ton of yards as well. I mean, not out of not out of the realm of possibility. You need tons of injury luck. You need a lot of other things to break right. But you know, the schedule doesn't necessarily set up in a bad way for that to potentially happen here. If we can skate through those first three games, we've got a decent runway going into our later tough matchups. I'm not too worried about the coastal, so um, it's it really ultimately will come down to again how the unknowns we talked about at the top c- come through and play out for this team. No matter what, though, from an expectation standpoint, we are playing with house money. We got a championship. We should all have been watching the Natty replay dozens of times by now. Um, this season, you know, I don't necessarily think of it as a victory lap, but. You know, I'm okay if we do end up with three losses, Cody. I mean, I think you don't want it to be in disappointing fashion. You want it to be such that this team is making progress. But, you know, can we really be all that upset 
if that plays out. Well, I, I think I, I even think that's the floor. There's three losses. Uh, listen, I, I, I think that this Clemson team is legitimately a national powerhouse right now. Uh, yeah, we don't have them winning the national championship, but then that's in part to say how much we respect last year's team. I mean, that was a really good football team. It was a lot more than Deshaun Watson, um, and they're going to have to replace some key pieces this year, but they're still going to be really good. It's just not that easy to win national championships unless you're Alabama. Yeah, for me, I, I, we won a championship last year. I'm going to enjoy the ride this year. I'm going to enjoy the heck out of watching our defense. It's going to be one of the best yet, that's for sure. And, you know, I don't. if we do lose three games, I'm okay with it. I, I watched a, a high school game with this uh, team from Cartersville, Cartersville Georgia, uh, that featured Trevor Lawrence on Saturday. Was it Saturday yeah. that he yep. played? Yep. So I'm I'm pretty okay if we if we take a small step back. Like you said, we're we're getting to that national perennial type power. You, you know, we're going to be there every year in the top ten. Yeah, so. yeah, we're going to be in year in year out. I mean, uh, the past two seasons is is not going to be the last time that we get into the national championship game in the coming years. Uh, this is kind of a golden era, second golden era of Clemson football, and I think it's going to surpass the first one. That is as good a place to stop as any guys. Any final comments, maybe looking ahead to what's coming up next week? Well, you know, at first, I guess we should maybe say something about Kent State. Um, the Golden Flashes, is that correct? That's that's true. Uh, yeah, 3-19 and 19 last year, lost to Penn State by 20, 20 points in the opener, but they lost to, like, NCA&T. Um, they were dead last in, in the FBS in passing last year. They were 81st in rushing. This team is probably better, but they should not be able to really move the ball or score on us. Um, I think on the offensive side of the ball, we're just going to learn a lot from Kelly Bryant, um, what we can expect to see out of him. Otherwise, our offensive line should dominate. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, again, I don't think they should score uh, at all, really, given how good our defense is going to be. They may score some in garbage time, but um, I think it's going to be a pretty, a pretty easy Clemson win. Can't disagree with that. Um, again, should be should be a good way to get some guys some reps in real time. Um, and you know they are they are an FBS school. It's a MAC team. Um, you know this is live gameplay. It's going to be helpful for the guys who are building experience on this team. So hope to come through it with no injuries. Um, you know, and hope we don't have a replay of the Troy game last year. Well, Troy was ranked at a point in the season last year. I don't think you're going to see Kent State ranked at any point this year. Um, now, the biggest storyline is, guys, it's the first week of college football. Like, we're, we're back again. Like, What are the top couple games you're looking forward to? Obviously going to be Bama-Florida State. Yeah, Bama-Florida State, man, that is such a huge game. I'm really looking forward to watching that uh, just, just to see how – I mean, this is a barometer. You know, first game of the season, you're going to see how good Alabama is coming back. You're going to see how good Florida State is. If, yeah. if Alabama – if Alabama loses to Florida State, that will have meant that Alabama has lost their last two games to ACC opponents. And I'm, I'm looking forward to NC State and USC, not just because they're our rival, but I, I think it's it, it it's going to make a statement if they can beat USC and if they can beat them handily. Uh, our our middle of the pack to bottom dweller is better, much better than your middle of the pack to bottom dweller. But they got they got to see how it plays out in the field. Um, you got uh, Michigan at Florida, um, and that really because of all the drama going back and forth between Jim Harbaugh. 
and uh, Jim McElwain uh, right now, the refusing to release death charts and name who their quarterback is. Stupid. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, so that that's probably, I mean, Florida, as we mentioned before, I think they had several guys suspended coming into this game. I think Michigan should win. Um, that game's actually in Arlington, Texas. Um, but something to watch. I think there's storylines there that, that make that interesting. Louisville-Purdue. Yeah, it's on the road for Louisville. I mean, Purdue is meant to be, this isn't their year to, to break through, but they've got a new coaching staff there. I think um, Jeff Brom um, is there from Western Kentucky. He went to the Big Ten. So uh, it might take him some time to figure that out, but you know, what better way to um, get on the map than giving um, your former kind of big brother team a run um, in that first game. So would there are definitely some games to look as a Clemson fan, um, look around the country and sort of see what our future opponents, how they look, how they're faring. Um, knowing that the Clemson game's at noon. So, uh, you know, 9 a.m. out here for us on the West Coast. So, yeah, I share your optimism and kind of enthusiasm, Ben. I am really excited to get back to lazing around all weekend watching football. Should be good. Lose a lot of Saturdays during football season. Looking forward to it. Uh, Maybe one last thought wrapping up. Um, In addition to this podcast, we will be doing recap shows throughout the year. um, And we do plan to get some interviews mixed in. Um, we'd originally hoped to get um, a a replay of a college football um, playoff panel that we had last year. Um, friends and representatives from the four representing schools last year were going to get together and preview the season. Um, unfortunately, Hurricane Harvey had other plans, and um, we weren't able to get together this week. Um, wish our buddy and once rival Dozer the best of luck navigating um, the uh, hurricane aftermath, as well as... Um, our good buddy Dan from Washington as well. Um, so we do hope to regroup with those guys likely after the first week of play, possibly further into the season. Um, always good to catch up with those guys, kind of see where Ohio State, Washington, and Alabama's heads are at. So stay tuned for more interviews along the lines of that coming up. Um, once again, pl- please tell a friend. Make sure you're subscribed out to the podcast. Guys, any parting thoughts? Uh, yeah, just piggybacking on that. It's, it's not just those guys and also a ton of Clemson players that play for the Houston Texans. But, uh, you know, just kind of our thoughts with everybody in, in Houston. That's an incredible disaster going on down there. Um, you know, for a lot of people from South Carolina, you went through that, that uh, major flooding situation a couple of years ago, the year of the Notre Dame game. And then, you know, if you've lived in Charleston for some time. You went through Hurricane Hugo. Um, that not quite as devastating as Harvey's turning out to be, but that was still a, a major storm. So, you know, our thoughts to them, we, you know, we know what that's like. We know that's a major, major struggle. Um, if you're listening, you're, you're from there, you know, people from there, just hope, hope you guys stay safe. Absolutely. Well, we will wrap it there. Thanks once more for tuning in and go Tigers. And I'm so, I'm so happy for our family. It's not, it's not, this is not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyds, the Stephon Anthony's, the Grady Jarrett's, the New Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. Y'all started this foundation. And all we did is build upon it. And we finished it. It's been 35 long years. Clemson, y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home. The intro theme music thing is going to be um, like the, a flashback to our predictions from last year. I'm going to go back and cut those in. You should do like... <laughs>
Sure, I can do it. Right? Like a Scooby-Doo? Is that, is that what that's <laughs> Yeah, I'll just Google what did you do on YouTube and let's see what like, come up What's like a like chimes to be like, go back to 2016? Um, it's like a, a flashback. Yeah, flashback kind of like jingle. Yeah, yeah, you can Google that flashback yeah, jingle. Yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah. That'll be good. I'm going to start like what did you do, though. I mean, Why don't we just record it now? Cool. All right, you ready to sound check? Sound check. Now, brown cow. Amari Rogers. Amari Rogers. Oh, yeah. It's from Wayne's World, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, Wayne's World. The Wayne's World noise. Come on. Got you. Okay. Um, we're, we're all looking pretty good here. I'm going to take us back and listen. Deontay Francois is coming back. He's got a lot of upside. I think what you saw Did last you, year. Did you call him Deontay? Deon- DeAndre. DeAndre. Deontay. <laughs> Do you want to start with Sorry. <laughs> Did I say DeAndre? You did, but there was like a Deontay? say in there. DeAndre, Beyonce. I don't get Beyonce on your mind or something. <laughs> I've always all got the single Beyonce on my mind. 